0: Hello, and welcome to the High View podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church. And today, I am joined by three wonderful, smart gentlemen, uh, Pastor Chad, Pastor Josh, and a new guest on the podcast, Pastor Terry. let us uh, We don't have sound effects, so we have to create them ourselves. Um, how are you gentlemen doing today? What's, uh, what's your day in, in
1: quarantine social distance land look like? Hmm. Groundhog's day. Mm. The same, you know, di- trying to get some of the tasks done for the, the Sunday, uh, you know, worship service that's coming this week and planning for the next one, thinking, thinking about the future a little bit, but, uh, trying not to think about the future too much kind of mm. in that in between, but things are going good. Um, same old, same old. What about you guys, Chad, Terry?
2: Yeah, I'm, same. I'm i been sitting in the same spot for the last thirty seven <laughs> days. <laughs> 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 they just yes. go to workshop every now and then and hose me off, you know. And,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I
2: heard um,
3: someone, I heard someone say um, that there were someone asked them, "Is today Tuesday or Wednesday?" And they said, "There there are no days anymore. There's only yesterday, today, and tomorrow." Mm -hmm. which
0: you know kind of feels true yep no doubt so so true um definitely we're all ready to to get back to some sense of normal and obviously you know we've been having a lot of conversations about that with the the state of our state um things are seeming to be getting back to normal some people hesitating so we're we're trying to figure out what that's going to look like um but until then we're going to keep doing some cool stuff like this podcast Obviously, if you've been keeping up with us, we've just finished a series through our 10 core commitments at Highview Church. If you haven't heard that series, I encourage you to go back into our catalog of episodes and listen to those. Uh, They're really encouraging conversations about those things that we are specifically committed to and all that we do at Highview Church. But today, we are starting a new kind of mini-series on the podcast, and we're going to be exploring over the next several weeks. Uh, what are known as the five solas of the Reformation. Um, so you may or may not know that terminology. Um, it's it, basically we're going to unpack what this concept is, what the five solas are throughout this episode, and then we're going to have an episode covering each of the five solas. So I want to start out um, just with some general questions, and let's first define uh, what what even is the word sola when when we talk about five solos. What, um, what's the kind of the root of that idea?
2: Well, it means alone, mm. <laughs> you know, so, uh, solo alone and, uh, and just yeah. like our singers do. And, uh, uh, I think it's probably, now I'm, I'm probably my weakest area of, of um, for a systematician is, uh, is church history. I'm, I'm, in my old age, I've gotten more fascinated with uh, biblical literature and things like that, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just how the Bible's put together. And so, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time in the Reformation era lately. But uh, but uh, I did note, in, as I study in German, that the uh, Martin Luther uh, introduced the idea of alone in his translation of Romans one seventeen in the in the German translation that he put out, which is just like. Hugely significant in, uh, hmm. in the history of Bible versions, and so it's uh, you know he went to the original languages, and and uh, and and although the word alone is not in uh, the Greek text, uh, he, he felt that it's the implication of it very strongly, and so he hmm. he, he adds that uh, to the idea of being justified by faith alone, and uh, and so on. Uh, right. Uh, and that, that might have been—I'm uh, just speculating here—but that might have been the, uh, the the reason for the for the solos arose as they did, hmm. because uh, there's kind of a logic that goes with it. If it's by faith alone, then it becomes grace alone, right? Christ alone, etc. Yeah, that's so. That
0: was the kind of the next question. <clears throat> if okay, so sola is just the word meaning alone. Hmm. Um, there are five things that work alone together uh there are things that we trust in that that are operating within our salvation so what are the five solas anybody want to rattle them off i know terry just gave us a few um who wants to try this this quiz
3: yeah uh it's it's pretty straightforward um sola gratia which is uh grace alone uh sola fide which is faith alone Sola scriptura, scripture alone uh, solo Christos, which is uh, Christ alone, and then Solo Deo Gloria, which is uh, God's glory alone. Uh, those are the five. And so, just like um, just like the doctrines of grace um, were really captured uh, over an extended period of time after a lot of the the, the doctrines have been articulated many times in different ways, it's kind of captured in a, you know as a response actually to another um, to to five other points. Um, mm. the five solas, what's really important to know about the five solas of the Protestant Reformation is, uh, they are the, uh, foundational, um, identifying mark of Protestantism. Like, mm. like this is really, really critical. Um, so, so, uh, the way I've described it to people is if you look throughout church history, uh, and if you look at, uh, what identifies you as a Christian, Um, historically that would be the Apostles' Creed so historically the Apostles' Creed was what um, was kind of the the doctrinal dividing point, you're either in or out Mm -hmm. and and here's the confession Mm -hmm. and here's, you know, you you say uh, am I with this or not Um, so that historically is how Christians have identified themselves confessionally they've said I believe in these things and that makes me a Christian Mm -hmm. Um, the five solas serve as almost a, an apostle's creed of sorts for Protestantism. And so it's it's real found that you you, you uh, essentially, when you're looking at the 16th century, when uh, you know we, we generally understand the Protestant Reformation to have unfolded at least or culminated, it actually started you know, 100 to 150 years before that in earnest, really. Um, but there were embers of it you know, two or three centuries even before that. By the time we get to the 15th century or 16th century, uh, you have uh, men who are trying to capture um, what what it is they're trying to 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 reform, uh, what it is that they're uh, uh, making a stand on. Um, so so in the 16th century, every Christian on planet Earth would say the Apostles' Creed is the this is what makes you a Christian. The the, the Protestant reformers were saying. Um, there's actually a little more to it. And they have this layer uh, of confessional identity, which we call the five solas now, but that's what they were clarifying. They wouldn't say it's uh, mm-hmm. in opposition in any way to the apostles creed. Uh, but uh, th- they were saying, this is where the church has erred and here's what we need to clean mm-hmm. up.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and so that's a, that's a really important piece of this uh, to yeah. be reformed. I mean, like, for us, that means um, different things. Uh, mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's much more narrow. Uh, we think about it in terms of Reformed worship, uh, or we think about um, the doctrines of grace. And that, that's not wrong to think that way. But it's, it's important to know the original Reformers <laughs> defined being Reformed as believing these doctrines. So technically, mm-hmm. if you're not Catholic and you're a Christian, your reform is just depending on uh, the, the the level to which you have been reformed I'll put it that way hmm.
0: Hmm. gotcha so these these five things are just kind of from from what I gathered from you um, they're they're a response to uh, what you mentioned some errors that the church had had made um, can anybody kind of unpack and I know we don't want to get too much too deep into the weeds here but um, what were some of the things that the Reformers were trying to correct theologically by instituting some of these, you know, trying to uh, go back to the word, go back to the uh, kind of the primary identity uh, in the gospel? Like, what, what were some of the errors that the church was trying to correct by some of these things like
1: the five solas? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that that pops out in my mind uh, immediately is uh, when it goes with the word right at the beginning, the sola, the the, the alone, I think what had um, you know begun to happen uh, in the church, the Catholic Church, is there's so many things added to um, what it meant to be a Christian, um, and your salvation was dependent not uh, resting alone on these things, but there was there was other things, indulgences and uh, confession, and and uh, you know as those things began to build. You you see that um, you know our faith is kind of built on not something alone but on on many smaller little you know particulars, and um, I think the reformers begin to see the weakness of that, and uh, they bring it back to look you know um, the the unique thing about the Christian faith is that it's resting on one solid foundation, um, and it's it's Christ, and you know the, there's kind of a there's five statements here, but there's really it, it, they're all intertwined and they're all really saying one thing, you know, and I think it's summed up in that last one for the glory of God alone. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's, it was a response to um, the, the addition, if you will, um, the opposite of solo, but adding things to our Christian faith uh, to make us feel secure. And these reformers wanted to say, look, there's no security in anything we can bring to the table um it's it's what's been done for us. That's my
3: yeah, no that's good that's true uh i I think if you were to um, grab one of the uh reformers from the early sixteenth century and ask them um what what's this whole thing hinging on uh they would say Sola scriptura um because from that flows everything else essentially. Um, so, uh, and, and the big dividing point, maybe the biggest dividing point, um, was, I mean, the the two biggest dividing points between the reformers and and the church at the time was without a doubt, papal authority. Um, and, uh, in addition to that, um, basically who is our authority and how are we saved? I mean, if I could sum it all up, um, I don't think most sixteenth century Catholics would have a problem saying this is salvation is for the glory of God alone, for example mm-hmm. um but they would have and did um kill you over denying papal authority like so the authority of Rome the authority of the pope that that seat um they would have uh that 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 was that was a massive point so so soul scriptura um, was, a, was, was the, the, uh, a massive dividing line that set into motion um, doctrinal disputes about a host of other things, but they all arose out of that. And this idea that the Reformers um, were putting forward, which is that people can read their Bibles on their own, that people can submit to God's uh, word and the authority of God's word without another authority, mm. was, was just a novel concept. And, uh, and, and so foreign in that world theologically, it's unbelievable. Um, and, and, and one of the pushbacks was uh, famously uh, one uh, uh, Catholic theologian at the time mentioned uh, or was talking to uh, Martin Luther about this very issue and, and basically saying how ridiculous it is that you're going to let people interpret the Bible for themselves. And, and, and Luther uh, responded, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but basically um, Luther's response was, um, we're not saying that everyone gets to make up their own Bible because that would just send men to hell in their own way. Mm. Um, what, what we're saying is, uh, we're, we're, we're saying they should know and submit to the Bible um, on their own. And individually be accountable to God for that submission, and so that's a that's a huge point but I think if we if we had calvin or booster or or some of these guys on early sixteenth century, they would say without a doubt, solar scripture is the division point. What do you think about that Terry um,
2: yeah that's that's a that's a huge issue because I mean you know how are you going to decide anything else if if uh if hmm. if it's not true? Scriptural, you know, right? And the and the and where the additions that Josh alluded to uh, came piling in was the elevation of of uh, church tradition on par with uh, with scripture, and and of course the, and that's just a recipe for you know all sorts of uh, error and heresy and and uh, and you know and so it's just uh, yes, biblical issue became a. You yeah, I mean, just the crucial crux argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we build, you know, in Christ alone. How do we know it's in Christ alone? Well, because Scripture teaches us it's in Christ alone. How do we right. know it's by faith alone, by grace alone, and for the glory of God alone? Well, because Scripture teaches us those things. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So essentially, these, these five solas, beginning with kind of the capstone, which is sola scriptura, the authority of God's word alone. Um, basically, what we're saying is that the reformers are trying to to just recapture and and exalt the central truths of of the scripture, and then say this is this is our authority, uh, not what uh, Pope says about the word, or not what uh, any one person in how he interprets the word, but we we must come to the word as the authority itself. And then once you begin to mine that, you see, okay, it points to faith alone, not. Not by works, lest any man should boast. And so then it has to be by grace alone. And then, okay, if we're going to receive that, it has to be received by faith alone. And then, obviously, what's our faith in? It's in Christ alone. So it kind of ties back to what uh, Pastor Terry was saying earlier. Once you uh, kind of push one of these dominoes, mm-hmm. uh, it, it has to knock down the rest of them. Uh, the the rest have to follow. And so, and then ultimately that culminates in God's glory alone. If if we're not saved by our works or by the works of any other than Christ, then he gets the glory for it, right? It's uh, it's kind of just a recentering on what what our whole Christian perspective as a worldview really is, and then kind of uh, flowing from that then becomes a life that's not worried about uh, earning by works, but actually living toward the glory of God that we're called into anyway. Um, So that's kind of a big, sweeping Um, grasp of each of these, and and like I mentioned earlier, we're planning to do follow-up episodes unpacking each one of these five solas, but I wanted to kind of close our our conversation um, and feel free to throw in any other uh, points here that you guys have, Um, but we've talked about the historical significance of each of these um, solas and and the thought process behind the Reformers as they were trying to recapture uh, the essence of Scripture and then elevate that as their authority. Um, but why should these things still matter to us today? Like, haven't we got this all figured out? Why, why should we still kind of recenter ourselves back on these same
1: five things? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first because I have a quick, simple answer. My uh, answer why it should matter today is because I'm constantly trying to make uh, other things matter. <laughs> in other words, mm-hmm. I'm constantly trying to make it not solo uh, and alone. I, I'm always wanting to add to my faith, uh, my works, um, mm. my good deeds. You know, uh, it's a, we, we're always looking um, either into ourselves for our savior or to you know to to the mm. world out there something, and and I think this just uh, destroys that notion. It just reminds us again and again that um, you know our our. Um, faith is in uh, Christ alone. Our hope is in nothing less, but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that we've moved beyond as a culture, the, the dangers and the struggles that these guys had in, you know, 15th and 16th century. It's the same thing. The human heart is the same way. It's an idol factory, um, as Calvin said, and we're prone to promoting idols. And, mm. and the very concept of, of having many idols is it's not alone. Um, so, uh, I think these things just ground me and remind me. Look, that my my salvation is by Christ alone. My continued walk in in grace and in the Christian faith is in is in the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ alone. And so, um, it, it's just a grounding thing for me that that reminds me that this this isn't you know from my works.
2: Yeah, you know I'm. I'm uh embrace them because uh, they are uh, what you could call 16th century slogans. If you if you could imagine what they are stuck on the back of a ox cart as it was heading to town, you know, some uh, scripture or something along those lines, you know, so Ledea Gloria, you know, and, and everything, but, but they're not, uh, unlike many of our slogans, they're wonderful slogans because they, they are shorthand for a vast body of doctrine that just, is just funneled down into this little term, these five solas that really encapsulate the teaching of scripture quite well. And so it's not just a template that we've imposed on scripture. It, it's it's a conclusion that we've drawn from scripture. And, uh, and generation after generation of, of believers have, have just uh, had their heart warmed uh, uh, to uh, embrace this this. Uh, these terms because of, of their their great scriptural theological um, uh, heritage and, uh, and, and, and foundation
3: yeah I, I think it's um, just like any anything that lasts uh, what's interesting is um, you know when when you're talking about October 31st 1517, when the 95 theses get nailed to uh, the uh, the door there in Wittenberg, um, when when you talk about from that point to the and the unbelievable change that happens over the next 60 years across the whole world, um, if you want to understand how the world changed so dramatically, you have to understand the five solas, mm-hmm. um, and, and also understand that they they came they were framed or captured over a period of time. So, so you will not, you will not, but, uh, in the Institutes Calvin mentions um, Sola Scriptura, uh, specifically he uses that phrase, uh, I believe he uses the Sola Fide um, a couple of times, but, but there was not some poster on Calvin's wall in Geneva with five solas. They, they, they were captured over time and, and what 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 you have is like a genuine appreciation that developed. It, it was the result of this, um, you know, this this kettle of of doctrine and theology uh, that was that was you know kind of being cooked over you know six seven decades, and, and by the end of it, they had crystallized. They had these, and they've endured for that reason. I think the most like practical. Or one of the, I mean, obviously, personal devotion. Josh meant kind of theological clarity that, that Terry meant. I think both are, are critical. Uh, mm-hmm. I would also add too, um, if we understand the solas correctly and their role in, in in defining Protestantism, then I think it actually the five solas can breed a lot more church unity among other churches. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a big thing if your church, whether you disagree with me on mode of baptism, it's a huge thing if you affirm all five souls just like we do. So he, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's no small thing. It's a massive thing. Um, mm-hmm. The Apostles' Creed is a massive thing to, to be able to confess. I mean, it's, it's just a massive thing. And so I think it could actually breed more unity among Protestantism. I also think it could expose non-Protestants within Protestantism, mm-hmm. people who have adopted um, uh, unbiblical views that are that are counter to what Protestantism um, has has historically confessed uh, would be exposed. If if you're mm-hmm. not Roman Catholic and you also can't affirm or, or can't affirm the five, five solas, um, historically, I, I don't know where you're at, and so. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's a lot to be said for. I think it breeds real unity among yeah. Protestants, because whether or not you have contemporary worship or high church worship, um, if you're confessing these things, it's a big deal. And I and yeah. we shouldn't. Um, if you're going to say you're Reformed, you should care about the five solas um, in, in in a very deep way, and it should matter to you uh, when other churches. Confess those things. It should matter, and it should be a, a, a bridge uh, of unity built um, instead of uh, instead of a point of division among other ways we've um, we've assessed whether or not someone is reformed. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen.
0: That's good. Um, I, I think it it kind of the reason what we just said was that these things matter to us today because doctrine still matters. Right, What we believe still matters, but also um, that's going to be what shapes the things that we, that we do. Uh, it shapes the, the things that we delight in, the things that we practice. And it made me think about um, this uh, verse from 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 9, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy Um, as i think about kind of the things that uh, that unite us the things that shape us the things that form us ultimately not only call us together as god's people uh, but they're also to be the things that we are continually proclaiming about him we're to be proclaiming his excellencies the truth that he's revealed uh, about who he is and who we are and who we are remade to be in in christ Um, so we have to be grounded on the truth that we all claim to believe we have to to know where our, our stake is is planted where our flag flies and uh, I think uh, we would do well to, to think about where as we mentioned earlier historically believers have made sure that they've recentered on uh, the things that matter most uh, which as we've said these five things are, are not uh, a template that we're that we're looking and placing on the scripture it's as pastor Terry said conclusions or uh, kind of the the substance of what we find in in scripture. So uh, as we explore these over the next five episodes, we hope that you're encouraged by them. We hope they help you think about the scriptures um, and think about your own uh, walk with the Lord uh, in more clarity and depth. Um, We hope that uh, these types of conversations are always more encouraging to you. So before we close it out, are there any kind of final words from you guys uh, why maybe uh, even a personal reason why these uh, five things have, how they've impacted you and why you're excited to be looking into them for over these podcast episodes.
1: Um, just real quick for me, I think they've been very grounding in my own uh, pastoral ministry, Christian walk personally too, but I'll speak to the pastoral ministry side. You know, when, mm. when, uh, when you're evaluating, how do we do this, right? How do we go about um Pastoring a church, shepherding a group of people—what programs do we have? What's our focus? There's a lot of, I and mean, there's a lot of variables there, and it's—it's mm-hmm. it's always been helpful to me to, to go back to saying, how do these things relate to to these five realities? Um, you know, and uh, and and I think that's a a very grounding way to think. You know, when you're thinking about a worship service or programs you might do as a church, and um, in some way, everything we do needs to be connected and have a, you know, a, a place with one of these five things. And so um, that's always been uh, just helpful for me and encouraging to me to to keep me grounded uh, just in pastoral ministry, to keep my eye kind of on the ball, so to speak.
2: Well, it's just liberating. I mean, uh, you know, just the freedom that it, it grants you at the level of conscience and uh, and the, the deep assurance that, you know, it's, it's God who has saved us in Christ and it's of his initiative. He did it for us. And, 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 and so, uh you know, and, and we have been set apart definitively because of that. And, and so that we can serve him, even though, uh, you know, our gifts might not be as great as the guy down the road. And we have our struggles with this, that, and the other, uh, uh, but you know, he's, he's, uh, our works are acceptable because of him and uh, and the solos uh, set the stage for mm-hmm. the life that we live together. Amen. Amen.
3: Yeah. My souls matter.
0: That's right. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Like we said, we're really excited about uh, taking the next few, <clears throat> few episodes and unpacking what these things mean, not only historically, uh, but also theologically and personally for us as believers. So if you are watching with us today on Facebook Live, thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening to the podcast version of this show right now, uh, we ask that you would give us a rating and a review on the platform that you choose to listen. It'd really help us out, especially as we try to expand uh, our listener base as we're trying to just provide helpful resources for not only our church, Uh, but the church as a whole, the global church. So uh, like and share, um, send this to a friend uh, that you might think needs to think through these things together with us. And we will see you again next time.